Well, it's good to see everybody out there. I know that there's a comedian uh, here on campus tonight. Uh, it's not me. Um, but uh, anyway. Uh, but there's also Game 7. And if people want to watch Game 7 um, after this, let me know. Uh, that'd be fun to watch that together. Um, but also, too, tonight we have a friend of mine and my boss, my area coordinator, David Green. He's right back there. Um, he's waving at you. Give him a hand. David, David oversees about um, 18 or so uh, campus ministries stretching from Maryland up to New England. And so, um, so if you're interested in learning more about RUF or like the RUF internship program and all that kind of stuff, he would be a great person for you to meet and talk to. He'd love to meet you and um, he's here until tomorrow sometime. So if you still, if you would like to get a coffee with him, there's still a chance to do that. So anyway, um, he, he does one-on-ones with me. So you know how I do one-on-ones with you guys? He does one-on-ones with me. They're great. Um, this semester we've been looking at the parables and uh, we've been talking about the upside down kingdom and how um, we, when we come to the parables, we're confronted with the opposites of God's economy, of, of, God, of who God is, and how different his reality is compared to our reality. And so tonight, again, we're going to look at the parable of the laborers in the vineyard. And this is in Matthew chapter 20, verses 1 to 16. So if you have your Bible, um, please go ahead and turn there, or you can look up here. But um, Jesus spoke kingdom parables to show that the things of this world are not the way of God's kingdom. And in this parable, it's, in fact, it's bracketed with this phrase, but many who are first will be last, and the last will be first. In fact, the verse right before we read this parable says that. The first shall be last, and the last shall be first. And when we hear that, that kind of, it strikes us. All of us have probably heard that phrase, right? Um, but if you're a prideful person, that hurts because it's like, hey man, I've worked hard. I, I deserve. I've done all this work. I should be first. And Jesus is saying in his economy, the first shall be last and the last shall be first. And so if you have your Bibles, let me pray and we're going to jump in. Let me pray. Lord Jesus, thank you so much for this evening, thank you that we can gather here in this room and eat Chick-fil-A and enjoy one another's company and look at your word. Pray that you would bless it and your spirit would uh, change us as a result of being here and listening and reading and singing and speaking to you. That you would change our hearts and we pray that in Christ's name. Amen. So hear God's word, Matthew 20. For the kingdom of heaven is like a master of a house who went out early in the morning to hire laborers for his vineyard. And after agreeing with the laborers for a denarius a day, that's a day's labor's work uh, amount, he sent, them, he sent them into his vineyard. And going out about the third hour, he saw others standing idle in the marketplace. And to them he said, you go into the vineyard too, and whatever is right I will give you. So they went, going out again about the sixth hour and the ninth hour, he did the same. 
And about the eleventh hour, he went out and found others standing, and he said to them, Why do you stand here idle all day? They said to him, Because no one has hired us. He said to them, You go into the vineyard too. And when evening came, the owner of the vineyard said to his foreman, Call the laborers and pay them their wages, beginning with the last, up to the first. And when those hired about the eleventh hour came, each of them received a denarius. Now, when those hired first came, they thought they would receive more. But each of them also received a denarius. And on receiving it, they grumbled at the master of the house, saying, These last worked only one hour, and you have made them equal to us, who have borne the burden of the day and the scorching heat. But he replied to one of them, Friend, I'm doing you no wrong. Did you not agree with me for a denarius? Take what belongs to you and go. I choose to give to, to this last worker as I gave to you. Am I not allowed to do what I chose with what belongs to me? Or do you begrudge me my generosity? So the last will be first and the first last. When I was about 12 years old, um, I remember a Christmas spent trying to fix broken, frozen water pipes. And uh, my dad owned a plumbing and heating company with, a, with another friend. It was called Garriott and Heidi Plumbing Company. And uh, when, I, when I was about 12 years old, I remember, you know, getting up on a Christmas morning thinking, oh, man, this is going to be a beautiful time. At that time, I was the youngest in my family. I'm 10 years younger than all my brothers and sisters. So this was like in the, in the uh, only child time of Christmas. Everybody else was like gone, you know, and married and out of the house. And so it was just me and my parents. And, uh, you know, I was like, Christmas was awesome because basically I got all the presents. Okay? <laughs> and, so, and so I remember my dad, like, getting a phone call and talking to my mom. And uh, next thing you know, he said, listen, we, we've got to go over to Ellicott City to this apartment complex along Route 40 that I, um, my company, like, takes care of all these, these apartments. And someone went on vacation, and what did they do? They turned their heat off, and we had a cold snap, and the pipes froze in this apartment. And so when pipes froze, they burst, and then water is flooding down the walls, and it's going down into the other apartments and everything else. So here's what Christmas was like. Instead of, like, sitting around the, the fire and seeing the tree and having hot cocoa and opening the presents one at a time. Instead, we are going to Ellicott City and it's like 20 degrees and we're going into this apartment building and like, you know, trying to like mop up and shut off the water and do all these different things. And it was because uh, there was a great need and my dad was on call and he didn't want to call his other employees. He was that kind of boss. He was like, you know what, I'm gonna let them have a Christmas. But then instead, I didn't get to have a Christmas. And I, I can just remember, I, and, but you know what, here's the thing. I don't remember many Christmases as a kid, but I do remember that one. I do remember that one because there was something going on there where I was realizing that like I thought I deserved 
like, you know, a regular Christmas. And I could just, you know, like everybody else did. But Christmas that year was different. Christmas was about serving people and, and shutting off water and uh, trying to help like an emergency that was going on. And it, to me, it, it seemed like that was an unfair thing. Like, why can't we just have a regular Christmas? And why can't we just have everything like everybody else? And to some extent, this parable is about that. It's uh, really about the offense of God's grace, of God giving his grace out to people. What does that even mean? It means that fundamentally at the heart of Christianity, at the heart of the Christian gospel, is grace. And grace is offensive to pride. Grace is offensive to prideful people. We think that we deserve more. We think God is unfair. Grace is offensive because it's offensive to the self-sufficient. It's offensive to those who think they deserve something from God. And yet Jesus is saying the first shall be last and the last shall be first. That goes against our pride. That seems unfair. We deserve our best life now. And we deserve to have everything. And so as college students in America, you know, you believe and you take these ideas. These are the American ideas, the same ideas I believe. Like we're, you know, we, we, we believe we, should, we deserve a good and happy life. We deserve house, cars, family, the American dream. We deserve getting into the right school, getting the right job. We're working hard. We deserve these things. And we think God is kind of like a big old Santa Claus in the sky doling out gifts and presents for us. But as you read this parable, you're confronted with the sovereign grace of God's will. And what Jesus is ultimately saying is grace is enough. Whether you were hired at the first hour or whether you were hired at the end of the day, my grace is enough for you. And so um, what we see in this, in this is really a passage that shows us how to put to death complaining and a grumbling attitude and instead live out of this place of grace. Okay? And so here's the thing. You got to see your sin. You got to trust God's sovereignty and you got to embrace the Savior. Okay? In order to live a life where you're so thankful and you're just overwhelmed with God's grace and you're not complaining and comparing yourself. You have to have these things. You have to see your sin. That's the very first thing. To understand God's grace, you ultimately have to see how big of a sinner you are and that you don't deserve God's grace, right? Um, so we, we see in this parable um, that the master of the vineyard is going out and he is calling people into his vineyard to work it. Okay, and he's going out at the beginning of the day and he goes out all day and he's calling people. Now, what does that sound like? Well, ultimately, this is the big picture of what God is doing um, in all of the scriptures. What God is doing is he's created this vineyard. We're living in it right now. It's his creation. Um, back in the, but back in the Garden of Eden, he had created that perfect world, the garden, right? And he called Adam and Eve. He created them. And they're working his garden. They're glorifying him. And what do they do? Well, they go against God and they sin. And they choose to follow 
their own ideas and their own mind and the serpent's call and they sinned and then brokenness and sin now is the reality of the creation. And so the picture of the Bible, though, is God is restoring and God is calling people back into relationship with him, back into uh, the garden to be part of his kingdom, to work in his kingdom. This is really a picture of God calling people into fellowship with him, into work in his kingdom. And he's doing this through all of the ages, in the beginning of time till now until Jesus comes again. And why is he doing that? Well, he's doing that because people are sinners. Um, because ultimately we're idle. It says in the parable that the people were idle um, and they, they weren't working at all. And as you look through the Bible, this idea, especially in the, in the Proverbs, the, the people that are idle ultimately in scriptures, it's not a good thing. <laughs> it's the sluggard. It's, it's people that are lazy. It's actually people that are serving themselves instead of serving God. And so this is a picture of God calling sinners, calling people out of their idleness into God's amazing uh, kingdom and to be purposeful serving and glorifying God and serving his kingdom purposes instead of serving themselves and just being idle and being people that don't do anything. But the, the issue is, though, is we're sinners. We're big sinners, and we love ourselves. Uh, we just celebrated, or actually tomorrow night, it's not just Halloween, but it's also the celebration of uh, the Reformation. Uh, and Martin Luther uh, was the one who nailed this 95 thesis on this door of a church in Wittenberg, Germany. And Luther said that our sin is like the inward bent. That basically everyone's heart is just turned in on it itself, serving itself. This is the state of what we are. The Bible says everyone has everyone is a sinner for all have sinned and fallen short of God's glory. And it says that the wages of sin is death. In in uh, Ephesians 2 it says you were dead in your trespasses and sins. That the state of people is not like we're alive and we can make our own choices. The state of our hearts and our souls spiritually is that we are actually dead and idle. We can't move. And that we need a, a work of God's spirit and his grace to renew us and regenerate us and wake us up. Just like uh, when Jesus called Lazarus out of the tomb because Lazarus, his friend, was dead. He called him because Lazarus was dead. He couldn't come himself. And so in this parable, we have the master of the vineyard going out, calling people in. And, and the only reason they awaken is because of that call. And that is how it is with us. We're big sinners, but when God calls us, that's his amazing grace. His spirit awakens us to the realities of who we are as sinners and how we need Jesus and what he has done for us. And so the Holy Spirit works faith in us and renews us and regenerates us. And so God is sovereignly going around calling people and waking them up to work in his vineyard. So the question is, have you been called? Do you know that you're a big sinner? Um, because understanding grace, number one, and not having a complaining, comparing attitude, first off says like every time you, every time you, you see that you're a big sinner yourself first. You see that like, man, I really need help. Like I'm not going to point my finger at all these people over here because 
three fingers are pointing back at me, showing me my own sin. In fact, I feel like God specifically does that on days when I'm preparing my sermon. <laughs> you know, uh, but uh, so I'm at Costco today buying bag of candy and everything. I've got seven items in my basket, seven. There's an older gentleman comes up to me with three items. You know, at Costco, they don't have like five or less line. They just have, here's the big line. And there's just tons of people. And I'm just like, I need to get out of the Costco and I need to go home. And, uh, and so he comes up, he's got like three packs of like Salon Pus, like lidocaine, like medicine things. And he's kind of limping and everything. And I was like, at first, like, like, no. And then I immediately, because there's like two other people in front of me too. It's not like he's going to get right in there. And I'm like, no, it's like, I, I got like seven things. You got three. I mean, um, even though they were bigger things. So, but then I was like, I got to let this old guy go. So I said, no, go ahead, go ahead. But it was like, not with a good attitude. <laughs> but I mean, you've got to see, like, so that's humbling to see, you know, to be confronted with your sin. But that's what. God's grace does to it. He awakens us to see that we're sinners, that we're idle. And so you have to see how big your sin is to experience and know God's grace. And when you know God's grace, that humbles you and makes you, it changes your heart and it changes you into a person that doesn't just <clears throat> complain and you're mad that like so-and-so got grace over here on the last hour. Grace is enough. Okay, so do you understand your sin? Grace is the key. Secondly, trusting God's sovereign will. Okay, how do you get rid of complaining? How do you get rid of uh, grumbling attitude? Well, you got to trust God's sovereign will. Humble, joyful people are those who trust in God's sovereign will. Um, and you know that God is God and you're not God. If you ever watch Rudy, the football movie, there's a great line in there. It's like, the number one thing is understand that God is God and I'm not God. That's kind of hard to do because our sin nature says, no, we, we're, we can be like God. We can do it. So the parable is like confronting us with God's sovereign will and plan as he distributes these gifts at the end of the day. He's, he's giving the late workers the same amount as he gave the guys that worked for 12 hours. Uh, the early workers are really ticked off. About they find out that, that the late workers got the same amount and they are mad and they go and they complain. But here's what the master says. He says, friend, I'm doing you no wrong. Did you not agree with me for a denarius? Take what belongs to you. Go. I choose to give to this last worker as I gave to you. And I, am I not allowed to do what I chose with what belongs to me? Or do you begrudge my generosity? Verses 13 to 15. So note, if the workers never looked around or asked around at what others got, do you think they would complain? If they, you know, if they never knew what so-and-so got, do you think they would complain? They'd just be, they'd be happy. It's like, beautiful, like we got paid today, like grace. Instead, they're now like, the sin nature is bit, you know, the sin nature is like comparing, right? It's like checking out all the gifts, right? It's like, ooh, what'd they get? Ooh, what'd they get? Right? 
do this at Christmas, right? It's only <laughs> with you know if, if, with your family, right? Like how much? How much? Oh man, you got something really nice. Like this all I got. Um, socks again. Great. Uh, socks are big now. Um, and so um, they. They, they would have enough if they, if they never compared themselves, but like the nature of our sinful hearts is we like to compare and we like to say, God, you're unfair. Like, how come I didn't get what they got? And so the question is, are you that kind of person? I am. Are you comparing your status with other people? And, and so part of this is we have to be confronted with God's sovereign will in giving his grace and we have to trust his sovereignty sovereignty meaning he is the king and he bestows on his children gifts and it talks a lot about that in the new testament how god gives gifts of ministry like some are teachers some are you know do mercy some preach some are evangelists right he gives out these gifts um and it's according to his will and paul in corinthians talks about um his thorn in the flesh. And if you've read Corinthians, there's some issue in his life. It's either an emotional issue or a physical issue. Some people think that he had poor eyesight because of a line he said. Um, and, and so maybe it's that. And in, the, in that passage, we have the antidote, though, for um, someone seeking God in the midst of their pain. And God comes to him as he prays and prays, and, and the, he says, my grace is sufficient for you, and my power is made perfect in weakness. God is sovereign, and he's doing things we often don't understand. But we trust the king. We trust the one who made us. And so God is the one who knows the beginning from the end. He controls all things. And so um, he gifts people with different gifts. He did not gift me with being seven foot and the ability to play in the NBA, although I wish he had him. He did not gift me with being able to throw a 95 mile an hour fastball and playing game seven of the World Series tonight, although I really, really wish he did. He made me, in his sovereign will, get a dislocation my senior year of high school, and I was confronted with his sovereignty there. I was, I was thinking, man, I just want to go play baseball. I don't care about anything else. I want to go and play as long as I can. I want to go to the pros. And then I dislocated my shoulder, and that was my pitching arm. And that's all I wanted to do is play baseball. But I was confronted with his sovereign will. So you have two choices there. Do you just complain, and do you bicker with God, or do you accept his sovereign will in that? And so... That's really, really important. How are you doing with the pain or the, you know, looking around the crowd and comparing yourself? Are you comparing yourself or are you satisfied in God's grace and in his sovereign will? And part of the growth of a Christian is, is to remember that, you know what, we're probably going to always struggle with that comparison thing. That just means we need to quickly run and remember that God is sovereign, that he loves you that you're beautiful in his sight, that you're a child of his. And so um, you're going to run into, guess what? People who are smarter than you, right? People that are better looking than you. People with better GPA. People that, you know, have more of a status. People that are more well-connected. 
Uh, you're going to run into people that have all of, like, better jobs, bigger houses, more vac better vacations. And you could ask God, like, why can't I be like that? Well, that, that's coming out of unbelief. That's coming out of, like, I'm not satisfied in God. We read here in the beginning um, the, the quote from Piper that we want to treasure Jesus. We want Jesus to be the biggest, grandest thing in our hearts. And when God gives you his grace, he gives you everything he needs. He says, you know, uh, you have every spiritual blessing in Christ is what Ephesians says. So when you when you start thinking about comparison, when you start thinking, gosh, I didn't get into school I wanted to, or I didn't get into this or that, and you're comparing yourself, run quickly back to Jesus and God's sovereign will. Remember, he loves you, and he has something good for you. And he's going to use whatever that disappointment is in your life to build you so that you cherish Christ more. He wants you to treasure Jesus more than this world. This world is short. It seems you guys are young and you think everything's, you know, eternal and infinite. And you, you never think about death or whatever until some tragedy happens, right? But... This world is short, and it, now is the day of salvation. Now is the day to, to call out for him. So the last thing is this. Um, how, how can we be thankful, non-complaining pe people? Uh, know the one who bore the burden of the day. And so in this parable, um, what we have here is the, the group that worked all day, they complain, and they say, these last worked uh, only one hour, and you made them equal to us who have borne the burden of the day and the scorching heat. This is, this is their complaint. Like, hey, we've been out here all day. We bore the burden of the day and the scorching heat. And they complain that the master is unfair. Um, and so how can, we, how can we change this out? How can we see Jesus in this passage? Jesus is telling this. Well... Um, they're saying that God is not just. That's ultimately what their complaint is. God, you are not playing equals. We've worked harder. We've done more. We deserve this. And so then the question is for us, like, what do we actually deserve from God? What is it that we deserve? Well, ultimately what the Bible says is because of our sin, we actually deserve judgment. We actually deserve eternity apart from in hell that's not an easy doctrine to think about but that's actually what we deserve i remember there was an old saint mr uh, charlie estes in my church and he would say this he would it was like he would always like catch me he said i if i if jesus sent me to hell i'd have to thank him for my life because he understood that that like he that God was the one who created him and like he would even have to thank him just for the life he let, let in. Well, this man was a beautiful believer. But what we actually deserve is judgment in hell. And yet Jesus, somebody came. Somebody came and bore the burden of the day. Somebody came and bore the scorching heat of God's judgment on the cross for us. There was one who came and he does he he deserved to to just be in God's glory forever, but instead he comes to earth and he bears your and mine burden, my, our sin upon himself on the cross. 
And then God pours out all his wrath and justice, hell really, upon him. He bore that for us so that we would never have to be separated or bear the burden of the day or the scorching heat of his judgment. That is what grace is. This was the mission. And right after this, right after this parable, here's what Jesus says to his disciples. Literally the next few verses. And as Jesus was going up to Jerusalem, he took the 12 disciples aside on the way and he said to them, See, we are going up to Jerusalem and the Son of Man, Jesus, will be delivered over to the chief priests and scribes and they will condemn him to death. And deliver him over to the Gentiles to be mocked and flogged and crucified. And he will be raised on the third day. Jesus' mission was to bear your burden and my burden so that we wouldn't have to. Jesus' mission is to go to hell so you don't have to go to hell. And that's what he did. That's amazing. That is grace. And that's what we need to remember when we're complaining or when we're comparing ourselves to other people's gifts. We have to remember, no, Jesus loves me. And he died for me. My, he, my name was on his lips when he went to the cross and he died. He's the one that bears our judgment, our payment. And so get a hold of that. Get a hold of that. And that will change your attitude. Let me pray. Lord, thank you for this night. Thank you for your blessings. Thank you, Jesus, that you love us and bore our sins in your body on the tree so that we would be free, so that we would know your love and mercy. And I pray that you would bless uh, our night, bless these students and their studies, encourage them, help them to know um, that they are loved, not because of anything in ourselves, but simply because of you and what you have done for us, and you love us in Christ's name. Amen.